So first, I busted out my Super Nintendo, played some Mario Kart, got slaughtered, and then I went to my brother and his girlfriend's apartment on Saturday because he was going to make me dinner, which was a smash patty burger. Very good. And he also has a Super Nintendo, and it's on like a very... 90s tv that he has in the corner and you have to sit on the floor to play it like you're a kid nikki garbanzo it is a cathode ray television also known as a crtv and there's no input lag because that's what a super nintendo was designed to be played on also i'm somehow married that i don't know why i said that after that i just thought i would throw that in there you say that but i'm not sure that you actually are anywho sitting on the ground playing super nintendo And my brother has all of the games loaded, and he had Zombies Ate My Neighbors, which, if y'all know, I've said it before, was one of my favorite games, but it used to scare the shit out of me. So I was playing it, and then my brother was like, "Uh, also, we have uh, popsicles. Do you want a popsicle? And he had one of those firecracker popsicles, the like red, white, and blue little guys. So I'm sitting on the ground eating a firecracker popsicle, playing Super Nintendo. And then my brother and his girlfriend are sitting on the couch. They're like, I feel like we're babysitting right now. But if you're wondering if the uh, chainsaw hedge maze level of Zombies Ate My Neighbors is still scary, the answer is yes. And I still could not figure out how to kill them. I almost think you can't kill them. You just have to have them cut the hedge for you and just run away from them. You can kill them. It takes way more ammo than you want to use or you need to swap guns. I only know because after we talked about it, like in about six months to a year ago, I went and got a copy and then I played it for a couple days. And yeah, that level is harder than most of the levels after it. Yeah, it's insanely hard because I remember as a kid, I was like, I used to be able to kill these guys, but the little squirt gun thing wasn't working. The bomb thing wasn't working the other thing wasn't working so i just kept trying to run away and then i i think i made it as far as the mall level before again because i'm 30 now and it hurts my eyes more i had to stop playing but i really wanted to make it to the giant baby level because that was my favorite the mall is harder than the baby too yeah yeah the mall the zombies the little tiny creatures that like run after you i forgot what those are with the little they're like little babies with axes and they go ha 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 yep that's what i did that was horror related this weekend i have nothing exciting to say other than uh, i think i mentioned that instead of seeing scream on friday and i saw saw it sunday but uh was i i went to see a screening of um muppets take manhattan and it was me and my friend in the theater and that was it so i paid 11 dollars to basically rent a <laughs> private screening of muppets that's take cool. manhattan it's a good time. I also saw Cocaine Bear last week. <laughs> that seems like something we would have convinced each other to watch solely for this show. But after talking about Megan last time and everybody's varying stances on, quote, horror comedies, where that's clearly just a comedy where there's violence in it. I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't think that's going to be for us to talk about. No, it's exactly what you think it's going to be. There's nothing more to even say about it a bear gets into some cocaine and kills people and there's some one-liners and some gore and stuff did you read anything about the backstory that inspired that no other than the beginning of the movie said this is based on true events basically somebody that was trafficking cocaine threw it out of an airplane and a bear did in fact ingest a bunch of cocaine and it died. That's the whole story. Yeah, yeah. but you forgot well, about all the killings. And it killed itself by overdosing on <laughs> cocaine. As soon as like, the movie was announced and I saw the name, I'm like, yeah, that's a, a, a skip from me. But then the trailer started airing uh, and I saw that one guy that's in that t- those TikTok videos where like it's all the same joke over and over again. Like, he has this like, thing where he films like TikToks and he's like, POV, you're a retail worker or something. And it's like, the customer asks you if you got more in the back. And he just goes, no, if we had more, it'd be out front. Blah, blah, blah. And 
it was like funny the first time you see like one of his videos, but he has like 80 of them where it's the exact same fucking shtick over and over again. I don't know. It's he's in that movie is all I'm saying. That sounds great. It has snakes on a plane syndrome where they went out of their way to be like, look at how wacky and crazy our B movie is. Isn't it going to be silly? You're going to think it's so dumb and so funny. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I bet it is, but I I still don't want to see it because they're going out of their way to make a bad movie. Do they make a uh, song for it? Like an original song? Yeah, it goes, Cocaine bear, bear cocaine. I was asking because I actually legitimately, like, unironically enjoy uh, Sneaks on a Plane by Starship. That sounds like that band was incepted, like, with a name like that, solely to write that song. Yeah. So I uh, did not know going into it that Elizabeth Banks directed it. And I think more interesting than the movie was seeing her almost fall on stage at the Oscars while talking a little bit about Cocaine Bear. When she came on, yeah, she came on to present an award. It was her and a person in a bear costume. Uh, that was supposed to be the Cocaine Bear. And uh, when she came on, she was talking about being a director and like directing movies and car goes to me and goes, She's a director now? Yeah, she did Cocaine Bear. That's why there's a man with a bear here. She goes, oh, okay. Makes sense. She she was presenting visual effects. So. And that bear looks like ass. Speaking of asses, welcome to Splatterbrains, the podcast about horror and horror-adjacent things. I'm going to do something wild oh. before you go on. And I'm going to tell everybody, if you'd like to get a hold of us, we have an Instagram page. It's Splatterbrains Podcast. We have an email address brainssplatter at gmail.com we have a facebook if you look up splatter brains podcast and now it's up front so if anybody skips out at the end of the episode they have no excuse but to contact us and yes i will repeat this at the end are you just doing this up front because you fucked up the last time correct yes <laughs> i try to make up for it i'm on to you got him uh miss quiet kinderman over in the corner what are we talking about today I was seriously about to just scream into my microphone, but I did not because that would have been terrible for literally oh. all of us. Um, they would have cut gonna... off the sound, but I would have laughed so hard to see you do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Scream specifically. Scream 6, the most recent of the franchise's movies. So, Brad, I would love to know what your experience was like seeing Scream 6. And also, if you could synopsize synopsize Scream 6. So, it follows uh, Tara, Jenna Ortega, and her older sister, Samantha. I forget the actress's name. They're both in college, and they're two twin friends. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son and his twin sister in the movie. I don't remember any of their names. Sue me. Uh, they are all at the same college in New York City. And a killer is afoot. Uh, there's like a little twist at the beginning with the opening kill, uh, which was interesting. And yeah, I mean, if you've seen a scream, you've seen this one pretty much. It's There's a killer afoot. Who is it? Are we safe? They kind of have a larger cast of people around them. You don't know if it's somebody in the cast, somebody outside of the cast, somebody from the past. Or one of this, this core four group of friends that moved from Woodsboro to New York City to go to college together. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are twists. There aren't twists. It's a Scream movie. But um, I saw it on Thursday night last week, the opening night. The movie theater was pretty packed, and people were really excited about it, which was cool. It was fun to be in, like, you know, go see a movie and... Like everybody's kind of excited about the movie and they gave out like all these posters and stuff. So I have a little scream poster. It's like a New York City, like big Apple thing. And like there's a big poster for Stab, the in-universe movie based on scream killings. Doesn't make, I don't know. It's like a movie about the movie in the movie. Um, yeah, it was a fun experience seeing it for the most part. What about what about y'all? Nikki, what was your experience like? Uh, I saw it on Saturday night. And went with one of our mutual friends and had a good time. Although it was funny because our theater going experience was interesting. There was three people that we had seen earlier at the theater bar. 
and just kind of fun, rowdy, having a good time. They ended up sitting right in front of us. Two of them were in a relationship, and then there was the friend. And when we got into the theater before there were even trailers, I had to look at our friend, and because he was sitting closer to them, I was like, she's not, her head is in his lap. Am I wrong? Is she doing what I think she is doing down there? And the friend that they were with was sitting one seat apart. And he was like, yeah, I mean, they, that's got to be what they're doing. And then when her head came up, the friend moved the seat closer to them. <laughs> so I think I witnessed my first theater blowjob ahead of the movie. And then they were talking the whole time. Ahead of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, and then they were Sorry talking the whole time. And then like every twist and turn in the movie where the movie is clearly trying to make you think someone is a killer. One of the girls would be like, oh, I think he's the killer. Like as if like she is the one who came up with that profound thought instead of being led by the movie. So that was kind of funny. And then the man who had to have been exhausted from the pre-theater show, pre-movie show, was snoring loudly throughout most of the second half and had to keep getting elbowed. Uh, so, yeah, there was like a lot of entertainment in my theater, which I think made it fun. But per usual and per most of the movies I've seen in theaters lately, I think this one, I definitely liked more than Scream 5. But yeah, like, I would not have enjoyed it at all if i had watched it at home so that was my experience watching scream six i was thinking about what i wanted to title this episode and the best thing i could come up with is screaming to get off this train uh because i think i've finally hit my limit of scream movies where i didn't particularly enjoy this movie um i thought the ending was so off the walls scooby-doo stupid I was like, I, I'm not, this is not for me. But also, you can only judge a Scream movie based on previous Scream movies. Like, you can't, I can't look at this like its own film that wasn't going to do something like that. I can't pretend like I wasn't seeing that. Like, that's, that's what most people are here for, is that reveal. But, yeah, by the end of this, I was like, this was kind of pointless, and I really don't want to keep doing this. I liked it a lot less than five, but probably because five got me on the, okay, this is fine. And then six, I was like, no, it's not. I'm so tired. This is, this has been tired for ages. And I think this is the most tired I've felt watching one of these. I think I had the exact opposite reaction to this, but a part of it was because I just gave in this time around. Like I went into this movie being like, you know what? I'm not looking for Green, the original, because it will never be outdone. And now I'm just going to go in and have as much fun as I possibly can with what they're about to give me. And I think that that's exactly what happened. Because honestly, I left that movie theater going like, yeah, I'm done. I don't hate that. And I liked it a lot better than Scream 5. But I think the biggest reason, because I rewatched all of the screams leading up to this film. Not because we had to, but because I'm, I live alone and I get bored very easily. So kept me not bored for a few days. But um, having rewatched Scream 5, like, right before I saw Scream 6, um, like I said, I don't hate Scream 5 nearly as much as I did when I first saw it last year. Um, I like it more now than I did, but it's still not. It's still my least favorite of the franchise at this point. But I think it's truly because they use a ringtone for all of the phone calls that is an alarm ringtone that I use on my phone. And I just vividly recall the the theater experience plus every time i've seen it since then freaking out every time the fucking phone ring thinking it's my phone going off in an alarm and it's really unpleasant so i'm glad that they switched it up in scream six but all that to say is i did not leave this movie being like that was stupid and horrible like i did with scream five but i think it's because i just let go and let god and just went into this film like just get, this is going to I'm going in this as a stab viewer not as a scream viewer and honestly I had so much more fun that way and I'm gonna be perfectly blunt guys I think screams my franchise of all of them that's it old Karen that's, yeah, that that's is it. Old. yeah I know I, I'm t takes 
takes I, from the K-Man today. <laughs> that's, your, that's what you call yourself? No, K-Man? it's not. It's really not. It is now. I think that these movies sort of need to move away from being meta and examining the genre the way they do. Because both last movie and this one came to like a cringy halt. Where and like of course it's in the first one, it's in the second one, probably in the third and fourth. I don't remember those ones as well. Where Randy and probably another character that takes Randy's place are telling the audience and the members of the cast about the tropes of slasher movies. Sure, fine, whatever. But last movie and this movie, it was those. Those are like the worst scenes in the movies. It's so awful and just like. Everything stops and you're just listening to somebody espouse this. It's not entertaining anymore. It's not funny. I think they just need to move away from trying to examine. Like you can do twists and turns. Do like a cool like knives out style whodunit slasher movie. But you don't need to be like, get it? We're doing it this way because of this thing. It's it's meta. So sick of the meta. So can I call the spoiler tag here so we can talk about what you're talking about and just say, if you haven't seen the movie and you want to, we're going to just go into all of it from here this point forward um skip to the last 10 seconds of the episode if you want to hear us say who farts thank you um that is the scene that where i was like "Mm, this movie stopped in its tracks because i think that the up until that scene they did a really good job i thought the intro with the um bait and switch and uh like the refrigerator was awesome i was like this is fun this is very cool i'm excited for what's happening in the future I don't know who this killer is going to be. Uh, there were a lot of things teased, including in that scene when uh, there's the beginning took a much darker tone. It's like these two characters, uh, Tara and Sam have been through a lot and Sam has followed her sister to New York to protect her from the possibility of this happening again because of how traumatic it was that they had a killer come after them and all of their friends and see a bunch of their friends die as well as, um, uh, Mason and Mindy, the twins, they had also been stabbed and survived Chad. in the previous film. Uh, what did you say? Chad. Mason's the actor's name. Oh, thank you. I, I'm Chad. looking at the, the list right now. Thank you, Chad. Uh, Chad and Mindy um, are are back from that last one and also went to New York to go to school with, with Tara. Uh, and they, they've been through a lot. They make it tonally darker. It's like she gets into a fight because um, an internet rumor has started that Sam was the secret killer from the last movie. Uh, rather than um, uh, Jack Quaid's character, I don't remember his name. Richie. Richie, thank you. Uh, rather than Richie, and that turns into tension. And then the cops are called. She is a person of interest. And then they have the lightest, goofiest scene where they're sitting on a park bench outside of the the school, and Mindy is doing her thing again, where she's like, "Well, this time it's a sequel to the requel, and anyone can go, and anything can happen, and then nothing." does happen that way. Yeah, that's I'm glad we're bringing up that scene because just one of my few notes on this movie is I when I think of Scream 5, I think of basically the whole movie having an undercurrent of that of like oh, we're so self-aware and we're talking about the, you know, the meta-ness of the main character and the side characters and everyone's a suspect. But when I was really thinking about it, especially in terms of this movie, Turns out I just really don't like Mindy. Like, I know she's carrying the torch of uh, Randy, like she's his niece, etc. And that's what her and Chad's characters are kind of doing. But I think mostly I just don't like Mindy as a character. But I I felt like in Scream 5, it was so... I remember saying in our episode about it that it felt very like making fun of horror viewers instead of being... Uh, in service of them kind of like we know exactly what you're thinking before you're thinking it because y'all are so predictable and stupid that's how I felt that was my feelings Scream 6 felt like it was actually trying to get a little bit closer to the original couple screams of just being more about trying to kind of be scary have cool kill scenes figure out who the killer is i don't think it completely delivered on that but the tone like the intention behind what the movie was trying to do felt a little bit more genuine to me than scream five minus to what y'all are both saying the scene with mindy in the park just being like even legacy characters 
are up to being killed. Like, it just felt... I just hate that, because I'm like, just let us fucking do it. Let us just watch it and do our thing. So, I just don't like Mindy. Sorry, Mindy. I, yeah, I mean, there are parts of it that I, I liked. Uh, like, the opening scene with uh, Samara, Samara, Samara Weaving. I didn't even realize that was her until the credits started rolling. I'm like, oh, that was her. Um, I thought that was a cool intro. They usually do a really good, like, intro kill. Um, and then the the sort of like twist of that where it's not well it is a ghost face killer that kills her but it's the dark tone that alex was saying talking about earlier was that there are a couple guys on campus that know jenna ortega's character and they're going to kill her um because she was involved with the woodsboro killings last time and so one of them goes out and just kills a random chick that he meets on a dating app like he lures her into an alley out from the bar and kills her and he gets home and like his roommate is like a killer with him and his roommate calls. Not a random. That was their film theory. professor. Oh, you're right. That was their, you're right. You're right. right. Sorry. Um, their film theory professor. And they're talking about like, yeah, yeah. So when, when he calls the film theory professor on the phone, he pretends to be the date. He says, Oh, sorry, I'm running late. Um, and they start talking about like horror movies and like tropes and stuff like that. But so they, they he kills her. He's talking to his roommate on the phone later when he gets home, and talking about the kill and everything. And then he's lured to the uh, kitchen, and it turns out his roommate is killed and hacked up and shoved in the fridge, and he gets killed by a ghost face. So these two wannabe killers are killed by a killer. Um, do we know why? <laughs> do we know why they were killed? Yeah, they didn't want yes. them killing um, Tara and Sam first, basically. Okay. Yep, That's it's in the big, goofy Scooby-Doo reveal at the end, right. when everybody turns on their wacky voice and starts to say exactly what they were doing the whole time. And that is one thing he says, like, you know, couldn't have them killing you before us. We needed our vengeance. And I was like, that's what this built to? One interesting thing, uh, also funny, I did write Scooby-Doo ending in my notes, too, <laughs> so I'm sure we all get there when we get there, but... The thing about the uh, fake-out kills at the beginning, yeah, that was fun because it sort of immediately subverted the screen tropes of we saw the killer take off the mask in that first kill, which was really cool and just kind of made it more interesting, even though they were the the fake killers. But one thing, when the actual killers killed that guy, uh, he said something um, because earlier that guy had been on the phone and been like, Oh, and like the more I stabbed her, the less human she was. And then when that guy got killed by the killer, I feel like he said something about that. And I'm, you know, I'm assume that's just one of the many red herring things to say, but that doesn't really make sense in the context of it because it's not like these new killers. Yes, they were kind of uh, doing justice for someone that was killed in the last movie, but it wasn't someone that was innocent. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? So I just thought that was a weird yeah. line for the actual killer to say because it sounds like they were killing to kind of stand in for the victims who had been dehumanized, even though yeah. that wasn't really their intent. Yeah, yeah. You, what you were saying that, yeah, when the killer, the first guy, I'm going to look up the actor's name. I can forget who he. Shit, my. His name is Jason, was the name of the fake killer at the beginning, played by Tony Revolori. Yes, Tony Revolori. He was Flash Thompson in the MCU Spider-Man movies. Anyways, Tony Revolori, he was the wannabe scream killer and had a roommate. That's why I knew his face. I was like, yeah, he's the one that's like, pretend to be my best friend. Yes. Yes, got it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, when he's on the phone with who he thinks is his roommate asking him about the killing, um, He's saying, like, oh, she be- she stopped being human. She was, like, an animal. And then she was just meat that I was stabbing into. It was so cool. And, yeah, then when he gets killed by a different ghost face, the ghost face says something like, do you feel like meat now? Are you meat or are you an animal or something? Yes. And to your point, that is sort of like a... It sort of made this ghost face, when he showed up, and we didn't know who he was, kind of out to be, like, a more... Like he's killing for a purpose, not necessarily justice for someone that was killed, but like a more philosophical reason, like that he has like some kind of like mental. Pro- I mean, I'm sure the killers did have a mental problem, like based on the fact that they're killers, but but he had like some sort of like larger philosophy about it that <laughs> just left 
just left in the ether. Yeah, part of me thinks that was maybe to allow us to think that Kirby, played by Hayden, Pan- Hayden Panettiere, uh, was the killer because she had been a victim in Scream 4? Scream 3, and she kind of makes a comeback. Okay, lots of fours on the screen. Scream 4. So I feel like maybe that was said just to give us more of a reason to think it was her. But other than that, it does not make sense because, spoiler, she wasn't one of the killers. But I don't know. So there, there was like some fun things that you can piece together, which is kind of the fun part of the original Scream, where you kind of look back in retrospect and can piece some things together. So there was a little bit of that, uh, but then, yeah, kind of gets trampled on by the Scooby-Doo, let's do a 10-minute monologue to explain everything that happened and why we did it. The execution of this movie is, I have no, the, my my grumpiness has nothing to do with that at all. Um, even the reveal, it's like, that's kind of what people want, but I will say that um, the killers really... They did the thing where I get annoyed with, where as soon as they reveal themselves as the killer, they act unstable, and it's really, really cartoony and dumb. Um, And the other thing I had a problem with was the amount of wounds in this movie that are unbelievable. I was like, one of the worst pains I've ever felt in my life. I was taking down an unfinished cabinet for somebody at my old job, and I got a splinter in my thumb that was probably like four inches long, and it went like three quarters of the way into like the little meaty part at the bottom of my thumb. And I didn't want to make a noise. And so I picked up the thing. So I put pressure on that wound and that was like the sharpest, most horrible pain person left. And then I was just pulling my ridiculously huge splinter out of my thumb and going to get a bandage for it. That hurt so fucking bad. And we see some people get disemboweled and just sit there and go, just get me a doctor multiple times in this movie we watch uh chad get stabbed by two different people at the same time his face is bloated with blood and it's spitting out of his mouth and then he's fine at the end and it was so beyond okay they got stabbed in the shoulder they're going to be wounded it's going to be tough but like it was that was what every stabbing was eventually it was just people getting gravely wounded 16 times in a scene only for them to be okay later it was really annoying. Yeah. Can we talk about the scene? There's a scene kind of in the middle where Mindy's um, love interest, Annika, basically gets like sliced in the gut, probably seven inches up, and then like tries to crawl across a ladder. I'm like, I think things would be falling out of her at that point. So yeah, there was a lot of suspension of disbelief in terms of like the actual violence that was inflicted on people but i was like okay yeah we can pretend that she can walk across a ladder between two buildings Jenna ortega in the last scene is stabbed in the spine and then she falls from a like a balcony and then is stabbed in the stomach and then manages to kill uh one of the killers what's his name ethan i want to talk about uh something that i enjoyed uh on a move before i do that i want to because you're talking about the violence that um, it is inflicted on people. One of the biggest issues I have with, I guess, all these movies, but particularly the last two, is that the main characters just, like, stab and shoot and disembowel and stab into people's faces and twist the knives and blah, blah, blah. Then they'll just make a light, lighthearted quip about it. Like, the very end of this one, like, Sam, like, stabs the, dude, the killer in the eye and, like, twists it. And then Jenna Ortega just goes, nice like what the fuck like why are we also like callously okay with like brutalizing it's weird i'm I'm okay with that plot line being that they're pushing her toward like is her legacy that she is destined to be a killer they start the movie with her going to therapy and admitting that she liked the feeling of killing in the last movie even in self-defense just felt right and she's seeking help for it and i think that's a very interesting step i think an interesting screen movie would be no twist uh, Sam is fighting that she wants to kill people and she ends up killing people. Like, make her the killer, tell us right away, and just ride the movie out that way. And that would, I mean, people well, would say I think I think Brad's point is more that, like, Tara just, like, watches her does, do yes. this. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Where she's no, wearing the mask and outfit, and then you see her just repeatedly stabbing uh, after, yeah, it's weird. Uh, I really, it was, um, 
definitely like obviously a huge part of the marketing, but the whole bodega scene I thought was pretty good because I feel like in horror movies, especially and like even, you know, as I think I mentioned this before with like living in an apartment, like it's for me, like when I was younger, it was, it was I had a lot of like sleep uh, anxiety, like because of like walking in on a friend's house being burgled when I was a kid, but living in an apartment building, I was like, I hear people around me. I go, Oh, I'm not like alone. There's people like, in the apartment building. Like, it made it easier to sleep uh, when I was living like more in the city area. So I like that in the bodega scene, they walk in and you kind of get that sense of calm. Like you get that sense of like, they're with a, a giant group of people. There's like half a dozen people in this bodega. They're fine. They're away from the killer. And then the killer walks in and just like starts ta- stabbing everyone and killing everyone. That was great. That was a great scene. Um, it was definitely like anxiety inducing. Like despite it being in the first like 20 minutes, you kind of knew like obviously Sam and Tara aren't going to be killed here in this bodega, but it was still like an anxiety inducing scene of them being stalked by the ghost face killer at that point. And then they did the video game thing where they throw the can to distract yep. the killer's attention. I thought that was fun. I, I think you're right. Like I, it's, I don't need to be harsh on this because I think my review of it is that I'm tired of it. Not that I think it was bad. I didn't walk away from that movie going, what a bunch of bullshit. I didn't think that at all. And I don't, I don't think it's like a, a, how can Hollywood keep doing this to us? It's more like, eh, I think this franchise isn't my franchise and that's okay. And Brad, to your point about just kind of like the busy bodega and how that is giving you a sense of calm, um, per our previous episode where we talked about that, uh, the trains or the subway scene, I was like, yes, because I love a good subway scene. I thought that one was really fun. Um, pretty kind of that same idea of, well, it's filled with a bunch of people. How can I be in danger? And it's on Halloween and they're showing these various images through the dark subway tunnels of various people dressed up for Halloween. There was like a Baba Duke or Bob Duke, Bob Duck. There was a pinhead. Like there was all these really fun, uh, scary creatures in the subway that was very anxiety inducing. And it was just very cool because it gave me that exact feeling of there's so many people around, but I still sense so much danger like in this situation for these characters. So I thought that was also another really great scene that kind of played on like the fun of being in a crowded space and thinking you're safe, but you're not. Karen, what what else did you like about it? I feel like you're patiently letting us rip it apart. Yeah, that's fine. Um, one of the things I like that you guys, well, besides the stuff that you've already talked about, um, I really enjoyed the bodega and subway scenes because I think that that's a new piece of like meta green behavior of just kind of flipping the script on public spaces being a safe space when you're being hunted by a killer. And I love that, you know, no place was safe. I mean, they're literally in New York City This for this <laughs> scream and not in Woodsboro or a college campus or I guess Los Angeles was uh, the third one. But anyways, um, but besides that, one of my favorite things about this one was kind of in that Scooby-Doo-esque area but I really, really loved how they moved backwards with the different, um, like, scream masks going backwards with each of the kills. So, like, the killer leaves behind a, a scream mask, a ghost face mask, at every kill crime scene. And the masks, the DNA matched the former, like, scream killers from, like... Five, four, three, two, and then the final one being um, obviously Billy and, and Stu um, from the original, and the last one uh, is the one that Sam actually puts on, which is you know Billy Loomis's old mask, so kind of like inheriting her, whatever. But I, I really like that aspect of it. I thought it was kind of fun, and I mean, I think a part of it is because I chose to rewatch all of the. All of the movies in reverse chronological order. So it was kind of fun to see that done in this movie um, using the masks as like that piece to tie it all in. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But I really, I didn't like love this movie. It was not like my favorite. It's not Nope or Barbarian. But I did, of, uh, of the Scream movies, I would rank it 
not last. Yeah, I think the the Easter eggs in it were fun. Uh, the masks was kind of a fun touch and reminded me of the Hellraiser remake, how they were using like the different iterations of the puzzle box and giving us a little bit of a history there. Um, a couple other Easter eggs that I really liked in Scream 6. There was a scene, I forgot which characters, I think this might have been Chad. They were in a van and he was eating Cheetos, which is what Gail Weathers' camera guy was eating in the first one when he was killed. They, uh, there was I didn't a scene know that, it, and I thought that was just product placement because there was like a Mountain Dew next to him. So I just assumed Frito-Lay product placement. It, it might be both. But yeah, that's cool. It's an homage. Yeah. Um, they showed like in one of the first scenes, they're going down a street and the building is called like, or the street is Elm Court. Uh, Sam and Tara's last name is Carpenter. Like there's all these little nuggets and Karen, you probably picked up the most cause you just rewatched all of them. But I, I thought those were fun and in a way that it wasn't too in your face other than, uh, Dermot Mulroney's character, another 90s babe, who was um, Wayne Bailey, the officer, the detective. When he kind of makes his reveal at the end, he's um, and his personality changes. He's like, oh, it's a screamer. And I think Amber, the killer in Scream 5, also did that. It's like, I hate that they have to emulate Stu's persona in a way that feels disingenuous to their characters. Like, that was Stu. Like, that's how Stu was when he was a killer and not being a killer. And then these characters and the newer iterations just do this complete 180 and then, like, emulate Stu in a way that just feels, like, schlocky. Do you think think three killers is a twist? I don't think it's really a twist. Yeah, let's let's talk about the end a bit, because in typical Scream fashion, there is more than one Killers revealed to be three. Um, one of the killers was Sam and Tara's roommate, who we thought was killed by uh, a killer earlier on. Uh, the second killer was her father, who was a detective who followed her from wherever she was from to, like, quote unquote, according to her, follow her to New York to keep an eye on her. Um, he kind of sold her being dead uh, at the crime scene. And then it was, who's this last killer? We don't know. Um, funnily enough, the, I think there was a lot of like viral, maybe not marketing on the movie side, but there's a lot of viral rumors that like, it's going to be Stu Mocker. Stu Mocker's back. He's going to be the killer. Uh, there are people like in the row next to me when I was watching it going, Stu, Stu, it's going to be Stu. It's going to be Stu. And it takes his mask off and it's just some guy that's in their friend group that like wasn't, he he's like stayed roommate. behind. Yeah. He's Chad's roommate. Yeah. Yeah. And they keep antagonizing um, him as what's up killer. Like they keep calling yeah. him the killer. Yeah, so he like conveniently disappears at like different times in the movie, and he's late to like the final showdown, and the building's locked. So like it can't be him. He was on the subway. The building's locked down, but he's there because his dad was the one that locked it. Anyway, so it's those three. It's a family. It's a father, his son, and daughter, and they're gonna kill Sam and Tara because their other sibling, the other son, was Richie from the last movie, and yeah, everybody kind of turns into stew at the end, like. Blab, blathering idiots like screaming and to your point uh, just telling us the plot of the movie for 10 minutes uh, and acting silly like running at somebody with a gun pointed at them instead of firing just running straight at them there was a the, the only line in this movie that actually made me like angry though was when um, when Tara is hanging from the balcony and the brother uh, what's his name is it Ethan the, the roommate that Ethan you know, yeah, I always wanted to stick you with something, and I was like, and I want to gouge my ears out. Thank you for adding that in this movie. Although it was kind of fun when she killed him, and she's like, I guess you are going to die a virgin. I was like, well, oh, that's... That is funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Little loser. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, so the killers end up being the family of Richie. I, it's just... Again, I understand there's a level of suspension of disbelief, but I'm like, in what world does a family grieve by, like, ganging up into sociopathy? Killing ten innocent people that have nothing to do with the plot of this, stabbing people over and over again. Yeah. Karen, I really need you to follow up that smile with a comment. I honestly, I... Unlike all of you, I actually really enjoyed the ending because it was so Scooby-Doo. I was just like, fuck... 
yeah, this has gone off the rails. It um, it honestly it reminded me of oh shit, I think it's the end of the two thousand six remake of Black Christmas where they throw the body over the stairwell and he gets impaled by the Christmas tree. It was like that level of just outrageous debauchery and and just absolute ridiculous shit. I was like, okay, the like. I, Yes, I was I was in it. I was in it. I thought the whole thing was absolutely just batshit insane. Um, I really it almost got me at the end though, right? Where it almost turned me away, which was when you hear that um Gail and Mindy, basically everyone's fine. Like all of the core characters are fine. We've killed no legacy at this point. Um, they just they just in a throwaway line just go, Oh, I heard from the hospital, Gail's fine. Yeah, that's fine. the last Gail's you hear fine. from her. Oh, yeah. I totally missed that. Yeah. I yeah. thought she's she's just, dead. No, Gail's she's fine. not dead. And she probably was just like on set for two days, and they were like, "Oh wait, this is fine." Even, even Sydney being be, just saying she deserves her happy ending, and I'm like, "But did she?" Because I feel like she didn't. The reason that she wasn't in this movie is because you didn't. You lowballed her, so you didn't give her a happy ending. You made her leave. So. Hmm. Sydney's probably in Italy and like, leave me the fuck alone. Like y'all can deal with your yeah. serial killers and I'm going to eat, drink a pina colada under the witness protection program. Like that would be what I would do personally. All right. Where do you guys want the next movie to go? Because it was already announced. Kirby's barking. It's already filming coming out next year. So it's going to be a, a quick turnaround. Where do you think the movie needs to go? Wait, first I want to just clarify, Brad meant Kirby, his dog, not Kirby, the character played by Hayden Panettiere. She could be barking. <laughs> She's barking for Scream 7. Yes. She will probably be the killer. Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I don't have just, thoughts on they this just, They just mentioned it earlier where they, they really set up like that Sam is fighting that her instincts to be a killer, but they really half-ass it and they keep like suggesting things. And even in the ending scene, she's like staring at the mask for just a little bit too long. And uh, Jenna Ortega's character, Tara, just kind of goes, come on, sis. And she goes, nah, and like tosses the mask aside and moves forward. And like in my head, I was like, you could have set up the next movie by just having her stare at it and kind of set it down nervous. Like you could actually allow it to be a horror movie and you don't need to give me this level of brevity at the end of a movie where, you know, 15 people have been like killed and more have been stabbed to life, not even to death, just stabbed and stabbed and stabbed, which is, I think it would be worse to not die from that. I think that that ending with her and the mask actually is the setup for the next film. I think well, that'll be. That's what I wanted, yeah. No, but I think it'll be a twist because she has it, it's tucked in her coat and she is staring at it too long until. Tara comes over and is like, you ready to go? Whatever. And she stares at it a little bit longer and then throws it to the side and kind of crumples her coat up and then walks off. I feel like that we're either going to start there in the next film or it's going to play a pretty heavy part in setup for the next movie. I think that's my that's my personal prediction. But yeah. I think I think Scream 7 is going to be when we fully delve into Sam being a killer. Who she kills and how that goes down, I have no idea. I don't think it'll... I'm going to guess it's not going to be in New York this time around. I think New York's been ruined for everybody. Uh, all the characters in that film are probably like, you know what, fuck this town. Because um, I would. I'd not want to live there any longer. Um, well, on the bright side, they lived in field. New York, and they lived. they went to three places in New York. That's they true. went to a bodega, a movie theater. The best part about that movie theater was that um, Gail Weathers sneaks them in by saying, I have super uh, investigative journalism powers and I just have a key card to the side of this building. They go in and they're like, it turns out it's actually a movie theater. And then at the end of the movie, instead of doing that, they get out of the subway and they're in front of a marquee of the fucking movie theater. It was a secret that it's a movie theater, even though the street, it's a movie theater. It's a movie theater. I was just trying to get Brad back on my side. I, I was thinking that, like, he's the side of the movie theater. <laughs> that really tickled me, if you couldn't tell by my toddler uh, clapping. 
This is what I think will happen. Uh, I'm piggybacking off of Karen. Scream 7 will pick up exactly where Karen said, with the mask on the ground. And then Mindy is going to be sick of her own bullshit. And she's going to walk by as all the ambulances are driving away. She's going to pick up the mask. And she's like, I create the rules now. Like, anyone could be the killer. And then it's going to be fucking Mindy. But someone's going to pick off, pick up that mask off the ground at the beginning of Scream 7. Perhaps. This is a... Uh... Totally not an original idea. I heard this um, one of my favorite podcasts, The Weekly Planet. We're talking; they've watched this movie. And we're talking about it, um, but they brought up an interesting point. Uh, one of the killers eventually needs to live to be like a red herring in the future, or to be an example, or to just kind of be a presence in the movies. Um, I think Cotton Weary kind of played that role in the original movie, and even in the second one, where he was kind of like. A lingering character. He had actual beef with Sydney, um, and he you had reason to believe that like he might be the killer at that point. I think that having like you have no idea who the fucking killer is. It's just any old person. Like there's not even a person to like that would be like yeah, it makes sense for this person to do it, even if it isn't that person in the end. I think you're kind of like losing a little bit of like tension between like when you see the characters interact because a big thing of this movie. Everybody was saying they felt they did like the Randy thing where like everybody's a su- suspect. They all kind of like doubted each other, but also were like we all need to be close to each other 24 seven. And like there wasn't really ever like one on one interactions that like led you to believe that such and such could be a killer. Like all the you're, you're led to believe that anybody could be the killer, but nobody sort of provided that tension to the audience. Of, like this person's suspicious you're kind of just left like like, that person could be the killer or that person or that person just because there needs to be a twist. Uh, I don't know. I think the biggest giveaway in this movie. So the the cop that was helping them was one of the killers the whole time as we discussed the closest thing they had like to this like moment. And of course this is in hindsight. I'm not one of the characters in the movie, but the cops like, I have an idea how we can track the killer. And then everybody's just walking around in central park and they get a phone call. And they track the killer's like phone. Like, what was the idea? Just walk around until he fucking calls. Like, is it? In my opinion, that is like everybody should be looking at the cop. Like, this was your plan, and it just like worked flawlessly. But again, like, there's not a person that like is just there, and you're like, you have reason to be a killer, so I don't trust you. I, I don't know. I think somebody needs to live. Somebody needs like either go through a trial and get off or like be in jail and kind of be a presence lingering in the background. How long have we talked about this movie without bringing up anonymous handsome neighbor? Oh, I've been staring at his picture on Google for a minute. That's not necessarily what I meant by that, but it's, uh, I will say, I love try to red herring him. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they bring up, they bring in any character red herring him. Me and our bud who I went and saw this with, at the beginning, in the first 15 minutes, he's like, I think it's Quinn. I was like, I think it's Ethan. So we nailed it right away. But yeah, like, they weren't going to make the sexy neighbor who's clearly, like, the Billy Loomis hottie of it. Like, he wasn't going to be there, but they wanted us to really think it was going to be him. He was just there for a good time. He's like the sexy cowboy guy from uh, Texas Chainsaw last year. Yes. No, no, yes. This, this one had much more of a point than he did. Other than being like this, the rebel flag is for southern rats, and then just get killed. I will yeah. give Texas Chainsaw no points, and may God have mercy on its soul. Um, speaking of sexy guys, my I think my favorite thing about Scream Six and what they were trying to do in Scream Five is I love how they're really testing how long they can bring Skeet Ulrich back and try to convince us that he's still 18 and that they have to put him in the same outfit, but make him like a reflection in the back of a display case. Like they're going to have to make him like a hologram or like a whisper in the distance or like blur out the screen if they like want to keep bringing him back as his 18 year old self or 17 year old, whatever. So that really does tickle me that they like, put Ski Ulrich in there, but they have to like blur him a little bit and just give him his two little strips and his white shirt. That's all I have to I, say about that. Every, every time I see it, I, every time he appears in both five and six, every time I'm just like, sir, 
you are clearly in your middle to late 40s. Like, there is no... And what's wild is, like, we actually... It's 20 fucking 23. We have the technology to, like, de-age him. They do it in, like, all of the Marvel films for... It's not worth it. I would rather he just be a little <laughs> older and be a reflection. I'm much happier that he gets to be his true self. They have to deal with De Niro's fucking blue eyes in the Irishman the whole time. Fucking weird-ass glowy face. They could totally, like, explain that, too, because it's not a real ghost. It's supposed to be he's a teenager because that's the only image that Samantha has seen of him because she's his daughter and, like, he died as a teenager. But, like, she could be, like, viewing his weird reflection and, like, questioning herself, like, why are you old? You're you were a teenager when you died. And he'd be like, this is what you picture a father figure to be like, like an old man, because you're much older than I was when I died. Like, I don't know. They don't have to do it. They can stop and just like write some bullshit to explain that's, it. That's that's well, they what haven't I really done it. So that's the nice thing is like, we're talking, we're speculating as to what they're doing now, but like, at least it's barely there that they're trying to yeah. make him be a teenager. Cause they gave him the same look as first movie. You know, maybe um, in Scream 7, they're going to bring back a relative of Stu. Like, they mentioned Stu enough times in this one where they're, I feel like something connected to him has well, to come isn't... out in the next one. It shows on the, uh, everybody on the internet has taken a screenshot still of, like, when you're looking at the sort of museum that's happening in the movie theater, that shows, like, the dates of death and everything on there, and Stu has a question mark next to him. So it feels like they're yeah. intentionally setting it up for, we're trying to pay Matthew Lillard to come back for the next one. Yeah, uh, I, have to, I have to tell you guys about um, Kara's reaction to the movie. She saw it with me. She did not like it. Uh, we were driving away, and she goes, "You know, nothing can be as bad as that sexy worm movie." And I'm like, "Uh, what sexy worm movie? What are you talking about?" She goes, "You know that lady banged the worm, then her husband turned into the worm." She's talking about possession. <laughs> it is a sexy movie. That's okay. All right. Well, we've really um, spun your relationship in a direction I did not intend for it. And I'm sorry if she starts to resent you for all of the movies you've been watching. Dude, she hates every movie I want to go see in theaters. Does she like comic book movies? Not at all. Okay. I figured maybe like those are pretty lighthearted. You don't really have to be a big fan to like them. That kind of thing. Um, It's just an excuse for her to sleep during the movie. It is funny hearing the reactions of the people we watch movies with. I was I told you guys I had uh, my BF watch original Scream for really his like first time in his adult life since he had seen it maybe as a kid. Like he had no memory of it. And oh my god, it was just like that is such a rare treat to find anyone in this life who is not or does not remember seeing Scream. And you know, he followed all the things that Scream wants you to fall into. He's like, well, it can't be Billy. It's, like, too obvious. He, at the end, he claims that he's like, oh, yeah, like, I knew Stu. It had to have been Stu. Like, Stu's just so weird. I'm like, yeah, okay. But then uh, I was telling you guys, too, like, every time the movie would do something, like, where it would, like, pan down to an officer's shoes that were the black shoes, I'd be like, oh, shit, did you see that? He'd be like, oh, are those the black shoes? I was like, yeah, dude, that's, like, fucking crazy um but it was really funny he and he finished the movie and he's like this is like why i don't watch horror movies because like this is the shit that scared me like the 90s he's like this is the scariest thing you've made me watch and i've had him watch like the fly halloween carrie like a lot of the 70s like 80s classics that i think are really scary so it was kind of a fun and interesting perspective to think of like the scream sort of slasher trope as being the most scary to someone so he did not want to come with me to scream six because he's like i yeah i just don't think i can do it it's funny that you say that because scream when i when i first saw scream as a kid when it first came out well when i couldn't go see it in the theaters still too young and my parents were like absolutely not we're not taking a a 12 year old to go see this um, so I had to rent it from the video store and watch it at a sleepover. But um, it was this. It, it was a movie. It was a horror movie that I had seen that legitimately freaked me out because it made me think 
This could this this is something that can happen in real life. This isn't so this isn't Michael Myers. This isn't Jason. This isn't Chucky. This is your fucking best friend's boyfriend <laughs> and his and your boyfriend that just decide, hey, we're gonna go on a fucking killing spree. Um, and that especially because well, Scream came out before Columbine, so there wasn't as much tension there. But I mean, still, like it was like that thought, that idea of like it could be literally anybody around you was just absolutely terrifying to me. Um, and it's why it's remained one of my favorite horror movies of all time and why I have officially given in to the fact that I think Scream is my franchise at this point because of all of the OG slashers. It's the one that had the most impact on me when I was a kid. And yeah. I saw all of them, you know, like, but that was the one that legit freaked me out. Maybe it's because I never went to summer camp. So they're just, it's just, just too far away for Jason to be it. Um, <laughs> There's so. too much social nuance of screen. Yeah, that that's totally valid. Um, it's definitely the most like this could actually happen. And in my head, I look at it as, oh, like a regular man who's just like skin and bones. Oh, good. I could beat that. Because I'm like, oh, he's not an ethereal entity who hails from hell. You know, uh, speaking of skin bones and beating a man down, um, what <laughs> one of my biggest complaints with the fucking movie is that they'll beat the shit out of Ghostface, and he'll be like fucked up. Like I think Chad like hits him with like a one of those like little rope holder things, like the movie theater, and, like beats him down with it. And then he's like flung, the ghost face is like flung down, like fucking dying. Like he's about to be down. Like you could get down and pin him for a three count. And then they're like, let's run away now. Like, just keep fighting him. Like, beat so him many up, times him they up. could have unmasked or killed Ghostface in this movie. Yeah. And any of them. Yeah. I know I, it's like a movie I'm complaining about. Like the, it's a stupid little detail, but write the fucking movie better, man. Like, I agree. He punches him and then he runs away. Like, why even fight him in the first place? Like, why? Also, like, it's fun that they're, you know, letting ladies be the killers. But I'm also like, the actress who plays Quinn is 5'7". Like, they, Ghostface is always sort of a tall, kind of hulking figure, no matter who is in the costume. At least that's how I see it on screen. So, the, you know, like, a 5'7 person, and, you know, I'm sure if you, like really kind of peel back the layers of who was doing the killing, who's doing the phone calls. Maybe it evens out in a way where it's usually like Quinn or Amber in the last movie who's doing the phone call. But I just have a really hard time like believing these like presumably five seven and below women are beating these men. No shade because I fancy myself a tough lady and I think I'm the strongest person in the world. And if I think that, then, you know, maybe Quinn and Amber are tough as nails. So, yeah, that's all I have to yeah, say yeah. about that. <laughs> oh, I agree. I'll fight any one of you. You just tell me what. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any uh, last thoughts on Scream 6? Any hopes for the future? Any examinations that we have glanced it, over? It was fine, and I'm not Really looking forward to seeing the next one. What the one that? Oh boy. <laughs> I have two would you rathers, and the next one will be based on the second one. So, welcome to Would You Rather. Nailed it. 10 out of 10. <laughs> would you rather watch. In the theaters, by yourself, you can't even bring anyone. Would you rather watch a th the three-hour next Halloween movie or the three-hour next Scream movie? And you can't have popcorn or snacks and no bathroom breaks. I choose Scream, believe it or not. They've done a better job being consistent. Even if I don't care for it, it's fine. It does not offend me at all. The kills are cool. They did, I'd say 80% of this movie was pretty cool. Just some kind of weird missteps. I'm going to say Halloween just uh, because my allegiance to the 
the brand and for John Carpenter's music, honestly. I'd definitely say Scream because the thought of having to sit through another Halloween movie that is as bad or worse than Halloween ends just uh, hard. That's just a hard pass. Don't forget hard. Halloween kills. I did. And I want to continue to. <laughs> Evil Love dies lives tonight. Today. <laughs> Love lives today. <laughs> I would also pick Halloween, Brad, for the reasons you said, and almost to the opposite of what you said, Alex. I think because Scream is such a trope of itself, I'm like, I know what those three hours are probably going to look like. The Halloween one, I'm like, I don't know what those folks are going to do. Yeah, that's, it's pretty unpredictable. I mean, it could be a cult that worships Michael Myers. It could be, uh, you know, Michael Myers deciding to train a child and then stomp on his head at the end of the movie. You know, it, then he gets thrown in a meat grinder. I hope the next Halloween movie is just the little bits of Michael Myers just crawling around. He like or... congeals back together like Ivan Ooze. Yeah, or T-1000. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We could come full circle and end up in like a Halloween 3 iteration and have haunted Halloween masks. What's the song? Da, 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 Halloween. Five more uh, days till Halloween. 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 Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's just London bridges falling down, but you know, kids are gonna have bugs in their face. But it's like dun 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 dun. Oh, okay. I just thought of a different thought, but I'll say it after my next. Would you rather? Um, adding on to this one, would you rather watch a three-hour iteration of the next Halloween, or three hours of Texas Chainsaw? The next one halloween nikki you're getting you're getting lazy with these would you yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's halloween for sure absolutely i could survive Th- that texas chainsaw movie was agreed that, that was one that i'm happy to dunk on whereas like halloween ends i could kind of kind of in a very nice mm-hmm. world see what he was trying to do even if what he did was ridiculous Texas Chainsaw was like the half-assed version of that. Bringing back legacy characters just to throw someone a shotgun. Like, that was their entire purpose. I'm sorry, Nikki. I appreciate you putting no, your thought okay. into Would you rather you always do. I only thought of the first one. The second one, I didn't. And I just thought of a third one once you said that. To be like, well, I really need to step it up. So I have a third one that is Scream-related. Would you rather have to climb across a ladder between oh and you're dead either scenario would you rather have to climb across a ladder between two buildings or would you rather have to try to escape ghost at your escaping ghost face or would you rather have to try to escape him oh this one isn't good either through a a subway train and no one else is on there it's a midnight meat train if you will you would think Very. that this segment is called Would You Rather, but I think we should change it to Nikki in real time. It's just watching your brain go, and I like it, but... <laughs> Nikki has lucid thoughts, yep. I think I'd rather be killed in public on the train than fall off a ladder. Falling yeah. Your, yeah, I don't even know, because like, you think hitting your head is faster and more painless than getting gutted? Oh, I boy, know. I guess you get gutted and you fall off the ladder, so I'll just take the gutted part. Yeah, I'm gonna really say ladder. I am. I think. I, I think I'm gonna say ladder. Oh, well, okay. Here's my here's my thought process for why this question was potentially good but worded badly. So you're killed by ghost face either way. The latter one, you're confronting a potential fear of heights. The second one, you're facing a potential fear of like claustrophobia, like public transportation danger. So, like, to me, that's kind of, like, the essence of the fear. So I'd probably pick the train, because I think that's less scary than heights. I think that's why I pick the ladder, because I think the ladder is far more scary than the train. I feel like on the train, I personally have spent so much time as a 20-something and a 30-something riding the CTA at all hours. Wouldn't that mean you would want to pick the train because you're more used to that? I mean, if I'm going to die either way, I might as well face a fear versus basically just... That's honorable. She's looking for variety. I Yes, I appreciate it. Your valor. Yeah, I'd I'd choose the train, I guess. I don't know. 
Um, you guys are gonna kill me. I have, I have one last thought about Scream Six. Um, I just think that the there was a potential there that it didn't ever reach for me. You know, like all the trailers were, and you can slot this in wherever you can put it back. Where that's the magic of editing. It's baby. going right here. This is where it's Perfect. going. I just think that like a lot of the marketing of the trailer, like with especially with the reveal of like the little like shrine to the killers, made it seem like it would be like a cultish type thing. Or like somebody that worshipped the killers was wanting to recreate it. And then we just got a any other uh, thoughts or would you rather's from anyone? Would you guys rather follow us on Instagram at Splatterbrains Podcast, email us at brainssplatter at gmail.com, like us on Facebook when you search Splatterbrains Podcast, or communicate directly with me on our subreddit in r slash splatterbrains podcast. I'd rather communicate with you on subreddit. I'm going to open a P.O. box. That's going to be sick. <clears throat> Karen? Email, baby. <laughs> Passionate. <laughs> and on that note, those phased farts. Good enough.